who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin' is available wherever you get your podcasts. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. everybody and welcome to this spoiler review for the first two episodes of willow the series from the geek buddies all right i'm ready let's do it is that the theme song that is the score that is okay we are going on our own wagon train through this series here starting with the first two episodes we're going to jump into it break it all down here this uh you know the business nostalgic series coming back uh people loved that first willow movie there was never a sequel uh, but now we're getting it here in series form from Jonathan Kasdan, of course, the son of uh, Lawrence Kasdan. Here, I'm going to break it all down. I am the outlaw John Roca, and uh, joined by these two wonderful gentlemen. I am Michael Vogel, a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and 911. Absolutely. And of course, big thanks to Carbon Health, continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. Go to CarbonHealth.com to get yourself checked out today or get some virtual care for sure. Or download that app to have a doc in your pocket on the go, especially if you're on a quest 
to face the crone. You're going to need some carbon elf with you for sure. But uh, you're yeah, going to go across the shattered sea to immemorial city. You'd get yourself <laughs> checked out first. <laughs> Where the maps all end, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, so let's get into it. And this is a spoiler review. So we had the first two episodes uh, drop for us to uh, watch here. So Michael Vogel, as the resident, probably hard, more hardcore Willow fan of the three of us, please take it away. Your thoughts on these first two episodes. I mean, look, I think as far as like what Willow was, this is just a great follow up because it kind of is all the good and all the bad that you got in Willow. I mean, Willow, when it came out, was kind of a hodgepodge. It was a little bit of Star Wars, a little bit of Lord of the Rings. You threw it all in the blender. You saw what came out. It was a little bit cheesier than the bigger things that were out there uh, like Star Wars at the time. Um, and so now we've got a series on Disney Plus, and it's a little bit of a hodgepodge of Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, and even it's even a hodgepodge of like the Star Wars new trilogy. Like they're they've taken a lot of cues from the from episodes seven, eight, and nine, particularly from Force Awakens, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not it's a little bit cheesier than the Star Wars stuff that we're getting. But I gotta tell you, as a Willow fan. Uh, cheesiness aside, I had an absolute blast watching this. I am such a nerd. I'm such a nerd for the Willow mythology. And so seeing what they're setting up and how they're doing it, despite like, I am a thousand percent sure that when Shannon talks about how the action sequences are not great and how a lot of the acting is questionable, I will be like, yeah, you're probably right. And when you say, yeah, I didn't really care about this. It was like, not really uh, established that well. I'll be like, yeah, you're not wrong. And I still had a great time, and I loved it. And I can't wait till next week to see what happens next. This guy launching salvos already to undercut our criticisms. I respect it. I respect it. Good, good opening statement. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts here as we've uh, finished the first two episodes of Willow here uh, called The Gales and High, The High Aldwin. Your thoughts? Well, Vogel had a good time. I had a time. Uh, <laughs> it was sort of a shifting adjective. Um, you know what? I, leading up to this, because, you know, growing up in the 80s, like, I did watch Willow. I liked Willow. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe we owned it on on, on VHS. Uh, but okay. it was also one of those movies that, you know, with the uh, advent of DVD and special features, um, it was not one that I went back to. And it wasn't because, like, ah, I don't like it. I grew out of it. I just didn't go back to it. And so yeah. the amount of friends who have uh, texted me leading up to this, be like, hey, man, I watched Willow to get ready for that, for the series. Wow, it is bad. (laughs) And it's like, well, I mean, it was, again, it's a product of its time. Um, And watching the series, like, I was excited. I was kind of like, oh, this, hopefully this will be fun. And there are fun aspects to it. There, there, There is a little bit of fun to be had. I do think some of the casting choices from, from, uh, uh, a trio of casting choices um they're not they're not quite uh, uh getting there for me <laughs> um and the action like this is a smaller scale this is a smaller scale show um so we're not going to get those big epic action sequences maybe we're going to get one closer to the finale um I, I do think from a production design standpoint, like there are some interesting choices. I thought some of like the Gales, I'm like, okay, this is, there's, there's some okay stuff here. But um, unfortunately I, I feel like the show kind of, kind of slows down a little bit in quality when we get more of Warwick Davis, because by all accounts, he is a lovely man in real life. Uh, mm-hmm. like we have a, we have a mutual friend and mutual friends just speaks, thinks the world of him. Look at this guy. Um, Look at this guy. Just dropping his George Lucas friendship like it's no big deal. Look at this guy. Good, yeah. Me and Jorge. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> but um, unfortunately, Warwick Davis is just not that strong an actor. And so when wow. you get some of his scenes where he's really trying to make uh, kind of an emotional connection, it just kind of reads as reciting lines versus actually having a conversation. Um, that being said, you know, I, I'm not quite as enthusiastic as Vogel. We're going to get to the end of this. We're going to muddle through. We, we might be pulling each other to the finish line. We're going to get to the end. We're on our own quest. Yeah, I will say this. A mixed bag for sure. I, I think I might have aged out of this one. I don't. I never was a big Willow fan for me personally. But watching this, you know, I'm watching. I want to, like with Wednesday, you're seeing young adult stuff that really, really works for me. Of course, it's a different approach different universe different world what have you but michael might have hit it on the head this is exactly what willow was so if you like that willow movie it basically keeps going with that feeling that uh sense of uh kind of different approaches and mix mismatch of different themes and concepts and and um feelings and vibes overall um i i don't i i, I see your points on the warwick davis stuff i think for me it's more about some of the writing and some of the let's be funny and it doesn't quite a hundred percent work for me, but I think I like the actors. I, for the most part, I do enjoy most of the main actors uh, there. And there is a little bit of mystery here that I'm like, okay, what does this all mean? I have some concerns, but it may be my concerns will be addressed in future episodes. And when you look at it as a whole, it was being done that way on purpose so that you would feel a certain way about certain things but um yeah th these are the things that i wonder about I, I i don't know necessarily that i feel the the magic but i did enjoy some of the scenes it just feels a bit uneven and i think they unintentionally to me the whole the first two episodes i would sum up to um uh dove or broomhilda or Alora trying to bring magic out of the ground that's what it feels like this series is they're trying to bring magic out of the ground <laughs> And by the end of that second episode, something happens. So you're like, okay, so maybe we'll see if a little bit of magic comes out um, over the next few episodes as we watch this. So, um, yeah, go ahead, Mike. You want one more thing? No, I was going to say, I mean, I think, because we talk about this a lot, like, we compare, like, the shows that we have now, like, the Star Wars hmm. uh, shows, the Marvel shows, Rings of Power. Like, we talk about this all the time, how spoiled we are as geeks. And we talk about it's CW true. shows, which is what we had for a long time. Yeah. And this is, like... This exists somewhere in that in-between. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's more than a CW show, for sure. Like, it's yeah. got definitely a bigger budget. It's got a lot more going on. But it's not quite at the level. Like, I was saying uh, the other night, this is like Willow the YA novel. Yeah. And, like, a YA novel, like, if you're a fan of YA novels, as I am, a YA novel is not the great American novel. Like you, like there's sometimes you read a book and you're like, this book really changed my life. And sometimes you read a YA novel and you're like, ah, got a soft spot for this one. It's a little cheesy, but I love it. And this is definitely following in that, it's a little cheesy, yeah. but I love it, uh, category for me. Uh, Cause I could talk for hours about stuff from the original movie. And I, and like, like Shannon said, like our family was a family. We watched Willow all the time. Like we wore that VHS out. Like understood that it wasn't on the level of Star Wars. And especially when you watch that original Willow, you're like, huh. So farmer who wants to leave his farm meets a rogue, has to go rescue a princess from an evil guy in a skull mask. You're like, eh, this is kind of like Star Wars light. Yeah. Um, and so you knew that even as a kid, but there's just still something about it that just gets me. 
Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, beyond the shattered sea of the CW, there is something there in the middle. So that's, that's where we're maybe in there. Beyond the shattered sea of the CW. I want that on a T-shirt. <laughs> the shattered CW. Uh, but, yeah, so let's get into it. We're going to talk about these storylines here. I mean, we've got uh, the family of Sorsha, Queen Sorsha. Great to see Joanna Will- Wally Kilmer coming back. Uh, of course, Val Kilmer is – that's where they met each other, was on Willow and ended up getting married for real in real life. Of course, we know the deal with uh, Val Kilmer. So we hear about Mad Mardigan as this person who was sent on a mission uh, and uh, by the Queen later on. And so that's why we kind of haven't seen him. But we meet her children here. Uh, we meet uh, Kit. We meet uh, Eric. And these are interesting characters. They both have their approach to life. She's, of course, the standard woman who doesn't want to be told what to do and wants to break out from the norms. We've seen that cliche and that trope many, many times in recent series, certainly. And then we see Eric, who's kind of a a Lothario, as well as being a swordsman and what have you, making out with Dove and uh, the girl from the kitchen who makes these magic muffins or whatever. So we're introduced to them, and certainly Kit wants to do something. And she's got this friend, Jade, who was played by Erin Kellyman, who's fantastic. Great to see her in another Disney project. They have a really strong connection. You sense there's something more. And then when Jade wants to leave and go be a knight, we see that come forward. When Kit's the one that says, no, I'm going to leave. You think you're going to leave? No, I'm going to leave. And I'm going to kiss you and let you know how I feel about you. But before any of that can happen, Eric is taken by the Gales. And this becomes the quest of the second episode of them going on the quest to try to find out where Eric is. They go. They meet Willow in the first episode because, uh, she, uh, because the Queen Sorcerer says they need a sorcerer and all of this. And we get to meet the world. We get to see the world of, of Willow. He is a sorcerer. And in the second episode, we get to see the issues that are going on between Sorcia and Willow from the past that are bleeding into the future. We find out that Dove is Alora Dan, and, and then hit Willow is teaching her the magic. Oh, yeah, and there's Tony Revolori and all this kind of stuff. So uh, let's deal, though, with the storyline of the children and Sorcia and even Willow a little bit. Mike, what are your thoughts here? Are they laying out? a good kind of dynamic here with conflicts, with issues, uh, with their own personal desires to get stuff done or get their own needs met in this situation. We're seeing friction between Kit and Alora for sure. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think like, first of all, I mean, like I was saying, like this takes its cues from force awakens in a lot of the way, in a lot of ways. And one of those ways is that it's much more of like a legacy sequel. Like even though Willow is there and he's a big character and Sorsha plays a major part and the events of the first movie, uh, are very important. Um, this is a new cast of characters. So meeting Mad Mardigan's kids, uh, meeting Jade, meeting Dove kind of right off the bat, you're like, okay, well, these are the characters that we're going to be dealing with. Like this is this is what the world is, um, you know. I think I think it's really interesting what they did. I mean, like taking a step back, the first Willow movie is all about Queen Bavmorda knowing that there's this prophecy about this child that's going to overthrow her, and trying to get in front of the prophecy by finding this baby and killing it. And all she really does is just make a Lord and uh, get rid of her sooner. Like the prophecy is the prophecy. You can't argue prophecy. And here you set up a movie where Willow had a prophecy yeah. and everyone's trying to get in front of it and make sure it doesn't happen, which we've already seen in the first movie doesn't work that well. So they've, you know, we know, and we get in, when you get into the second episode, you find out that Willow wanted to train a Lord Dannon, get everyone ready. Yeah. Like there's a big thing happening. And Sorsha was like, no, how about we just block ourselves off from the world, get rid of all magic and hide a Lord Dannon away. And that'll be better. Spoiler alert. It's probably not better, <laughs> but I think that's a really nice backdrop to set up all these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the idea that, you know, Alora Dannon is basically Briar Rose in Sleeping Beauty, like she's the royalty who's hiding and doesn't know who she is. Um, and then Mad Mardigan's kids, I mean, Sorsha and Mad Mardigan's kids, but very much like vibing on, you've got Eric, who's named after one of the characters in the first movie, who yes. is the, uh, who is the uh, sort of got the um, romantic charmer side of Val Kilmer's Mad Mardigan. And then yes. you've got Kit, who's like the badass swordsman with wanderlust. Uh, and I think that there's really interesting dynamics here. I think most importantly, um, Willow is showing you how to have a gay relationship in something that's not two people kissing in the background for two seconds. Like, there's a legacy character. It's the daughter of Mad Mardigan. She's in love with Jade. They get in front of that right away. It's a big plot point of the show. Their romance is something that we're probably going to see, like, carry through this whole series. Yeah. And so as... Uh, gay fantasy nerd. Uh, I'm just thrilled that we actually have like a main gay character in something finally because that's pretty awesome. So I like all these dynamics. Uh, I like that Sorsha is kind of anti-magic and that she and Willow have had this falling out because I think that just kind of, it sets everybody up on a more interesting path. I don't disagree that some of the writing is a little bit clunky for yeah. sure in this show. So execution maybe leaves a little bit to be desired. But as far as like the broad strokes of having all of these characters and kind of knowing right away where each character stands as far as what they want, who they're interested in, who they relate to, how they feel about Alora Dannon, they do a really good job of laying all of that out in these first two episodes so that moving forward, we get to just see these character dynamics play out. Yeah, what's your thoughts on the story here uh, with these characters, um, Shannon, with the connections and the, the of Sorsha and Mar Mad Mardigan's kids and their their kind of uh, sibling rivalry, so to speak, but then how it bleeds out into Dove, bleeds out into Jade, uh, brings Willow into the mix here. Borman, who we find out was the squire of Mad Mardigan, is a part of this fellowship of the Eric that they're going to go get him uh, and all of this. And so, and it progresses in through the second episode where Willow comes along encouraged by his daughter and now he's trying to train Alora again and we see flashbacks as michael mentioned with willow also um giving up on her and not wanting to be around and saying i don't care about her i don't care about you anymore because you've you've insulted me and i only care about my people and we're going underground so what do you think about the, how they set up these relationships between all these main characters over the first two episodes I mean, I think they, from a writing standpoint, dialogue notwithstanding, yeah. um, I, I feel like it's a solid setup. Like it, it, it's it's very much we just have to here's what we have to here's what we have to uh, establish mm. is that in the wake of Bav Morda being defeated, Tirislene, which was a cursed kingdom, now it's like it's got Queen Sorsha and presumably uh, King Mad King Mad Mardigan. Um, uh, Galadorn, which is, you know, the other, the other kingdom, like the good kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Um, it still exists. Like they're still waiting for Alora Dannon. Like nobody knows what happened to her. Mad Mardigan, uh, allegedly kind of took her in the middle of the night and, you know, we don't know where he is. Um, the setup, the setup is fine. Um, I, I like the fact that we get to meet Mad Mardigan's kids and that definitely yeah. Eric, like, I thought it was funny that like, that is a connection to the first movie, even though like Mad Mardigan and Eric from the first movie, like they have, I wouldn't go as far to say a friendship, but, but it's sort of like, they have a connection. Like Eric knows Mad Mardigan is like, you, you could have been great, but you, you know, you let your, your vices get, get the better mm -hmm. of you. So I like the, I like the connection, even though from a character standpoint, I don't think it's necessarily emotionally justified. It's kind of like, I mean, well, I don't, they got there at the a... end. They got there at the end. <laughs> I just feel like Mad Mardigan doesn't have a whole lot of people in his life. <laughs> and he's just like, uh, you. 
gonna name my son after you. Uh, who's um, in the room? Who's in the room? <laughs> Eric. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, I I do like that. These are very much Mad Mardigan's kids. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like you definitely see uh, Mad Mardigan in his son in Eric, and you 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 get that kind of uh, uh, that that swordsmanship from kit as well but you also get get the sense that kit is more like her mom is is maybe a little more mm, a little more sure. hard-edged even though she yeah. might as vogel put has that wanderlust that madame mardigan probably had um you know the the introduction uh, of borman um that was yeah. kind of like i think they had said like he was gonna be he was gonna be like a friend of mad mardigan's and looking at what the age difference like that was my thought I was like oh he's gonna be He's going to be a squire, and the fact that Sorsha comes down and does talk to him in the jail cell, yeah. it's like okay, there, you know, there's a connection there. Um, when we do finally find out that Dove is a Laura Dannon, like I was kind of doing the math in my head. I'm like, no, wait a second. Like, okay, she was a baby. If Mad Mardigan and Sorsha had kids right away, she'd be like a year and a half older than them, two That's years. I'm like, point. okay, it kind of works. I guess, I guess it kind of works. Um, yeah, we did the math. They say, they said, Daniel and I were doing it uh, as we were watching it. Cause they mm. say 200 moons. And so that puts, yeah. Yeah, so like the, like the, the age of her kids, the age of their kids is a little bit like, well, like Bath Mortar is 200 <laughs> moons. That's about 16, 17 years old, but kitten, how fast did, I mean, I mean, look, Sorsha and Mad Mardigan were definitely hitting it by the end of that movie. So uh, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe those kids popped out real, real quick. Oh <laughs> but you know, into the introduction of of Willow, um, yeah. that his first scene at the end of that first episode, I actually really liked. I mean, he's like, you know, you remind me of your mother. I'm like, oh, there's something very sweet and nostalgic here. It's only when you get into that second episode that you get into these flashbacks where they gave him a weird goatee for some. Oh my god! Oh my god! Hippie, hippie, hippie Willow, hippie Willow yeah. is my favorite. He like, showed up. He showed up in that little beanie Willow. and that beard, and I was like, I mean, he might as well have just like been playing hacky sack in the courtyard of Tira's Lean. Like I was like, wow. I mean, his beard when he has the vision, like the beard, I buy more than that spirit gum goatee. I was like, <laughs> I get that you're trying to put him at a different place in time, but it just it just looks unusual. And even like the the scene with him and Sorsha, um, where he's kind of employing her like i need a trainer i need a trainer i need a trainer and then the next scene where he's kind of doing a little leprechaun lurking he's like hey where i come from it's like this is this is this is an uncomfortable scene and he's like you know i don't care about any of you the disrespect and i was like this is where i think it you really see the limits of warwick davis's um abilities here okay. um because he he has a couple of nice scenes with Dove that I feel like he got more from like his time hanging out with Ricky Gervais. I'm like, you, you do get some fun kind of comic banter. Like she's talking about uh, the, the carriage uh, kind of making her queasy. Like, well, this is the nature of the beast. I'm like, I don't feel like that was in the script. I feel like Warwick Davis was literally channeling Ricky Gervais there. Um, but the, 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 the struggle. Cause I do feel like the, I feel like the setup is solid, even though I okay. don't love the casting of Kit, Eric and Doug. we'll swing back to the casting in a minute. I just want to focus on the story. Sorry, um, no, it's okay. We'll get, I, I feel we'll like get the setup is good enough. to harp on the casting. Trust. I feel like the setup is good enough, and I think yeah. by the second episode, it falters a little bit. Fair enough, and I feel that way too in terms of the setup. I like the setup. I I think the the characters are introduced in, in their own way, and they have enough time to establish 
who they are. You know, <clears throat> sorry, you know who Kid is, you know who Eric is, you know who Jade is, you know the relationships. Eric with Dove, you get you get idea of who Dove is, this idea of the highborn little Game of Thrones action going on there. We see where she ranks in that whole thing. She's a little jealous watching the other, uh, you know, the other princesses or the other highborn women there talking to Eric. So you understand the dynamics. And they do a nice job of laying the dynamics out. Sorsha, a bit more of a hard ass. And maybe she has to be because Mad Mardigan has been gone for forever. Yeah. So she's had to take a harder role. She's more afraid of what could happen because she's experienced. And her mom, and I think that scene with her and Kit, when she talks to Kit and tells her the truth about the past and all the stuff with her mom, saying that her mom's blood is still in her and in Kit and in Eric. I like that you have this stuff being laid out, that you understand mm -hmm. there's dangers around every corner. Even the people who think are heroes might turn evil. And then mm -hmm. when we get Ballantyne, what happens with Ralph Innocent's character, where he does, in essence, get stabbed by that thing, by the by the Gales, and becomes slowly becomes evil and is going after uh, Alora and takes her. I like that as this premise, a sense of danger and dread throughout. I think they did a nice job with it. And then bringing Willow in and his dynamic with his daughter and then having him join this thing and how he becomes, he says, I'm only going to go for teacher student and Alora being part of it. And just like a teenager would, yes, I do it. I'll do I'll listen to everything you're saying. It's not working. I don't want to do it anymore. So th these are the things that you, you have to accept as part of this. Yes, it'll frustrate you. But if you've had teenagers or remember being a teenager, you know you can't depend on consistency in any way, shape, or form with it. So you have to roll with it. And I also think there's consistency, though, in the portrayal of Sorsha and Kit, in that Sorsha telling Willow he'll never be a great sorcerer, uh, even though she was the one that was trying to prove herself as a female warrior, mirrors Kit uh, being like, well, we don't even know if she's a Laura or not. I don't believe yeah. what Willow said about that, but I believe that he's right about Eric and the Shattered Sea. So I'll conveniently believe what I need to believe in order to get what I want. So there's a consistency in, the, in that kind of stuff in terms of laying out the relationships, which I really like. But Michael's right. The execution, though, doesn't always 100% work for me, but I like the setup. So let's swing back to the acting, though. Let's, uh, well, let's actually take a break real quick, because i got to throw in some ads here. We'll be right back right after this. Shannon, here's your platform. Please go ahead. What are your thoughts about the acting over the first two episodes and the casting here with these characters? I think we've already stressed your feelings about Warwick Davis. What about the other actors? Is there anything uh, positive or negative you want to say or slightly in the middle there you want to say about some of the casting? Well, there are some positives. Like, uh, I, like I think Erin Kellyman is is just reliable. Like, yeah. she's, just, she's just a solid, solid performer who's going to deliver um a, a good performance every time and even yeah. though she's not given the most to do out of out of our you know main ensemble uh what she does have is good i mean she just she just has a screen presence that it's one of those things that's sort of like it's sort of ineffable like uh she just has it um I also think Tony Revolori. I mean, even though, again, he doesn't get a ton to do, right. what he does get to do, he's someone, and maybe it's just, I, I don't believe this, but I'm like, maybe it's just, we recognize him. Like, hey, mm -hmm. there's Grand Budapest Hotel. There's Flash Thompson. Right. Um, but Tony Revolori just brings a weight to his uh, to his performance. And the same with the actor playing uh, Borman, Amar Chada Patel. Like, yeah. I don't think the writing is necessarily doing him any favors right now, but the whole action scene, that chase at the beginning where he's saying that ancient Angorian word, I mean, right. that's such a great, solid comic beat. It's like, it means stop. 
Um, like I don't, again, I don't think the writing is doing him any favor. Like, Hey, the three of us need to need to team up. The two of us need to team up. Um, but he does have a charm. Like he does have a presence about him. I think the casting kind of falters with the main three young people with, really? with, okay. with Kit, with Eric and Dove. Um, oh. You know, and I've heard some people say like, ah, it's just the American accents. Like they just don't belong. And I'm like, see, I don't agree with that because I feel like Val Kilmer, very much an American accent in that first movie. Mm. He felt like he was still a part of that world, though. Like I, I believed him being a part of the world. Eric seems the most kind of displaced. Okay. Um, Kit, maybe I'll warm up to her. I mean, it's, she seems just kind of a little one note right now. Mm. Um, and Dove, I mean, I think she's probably given the most to do. Yeah. But because in in just two episodes, she's given some pretty big. Uh, there, there are some things being asked of her, like, you know, we want this sort of uh, lovelorn young woman. We want someone who's funny because you want the thing with like, you know, butter my muffins. Um, I, you know, I'm a phenomenal cook. And then by the end, when you get her trying to trying to do this incantation, um, where she's kind of, you know, hitting the ground, screaming it. And like, I just think that the the character swings that, that you need might be a little beyond what this actress is capable of right now. Now, now you know, uh, we could get to the end of the series yeah. and she might knock it out of the park. Um, maybe I'm going to look back and be like, nope, everything tracked. But at this point, that's where I feel it's kind of coming up short. And it seems like the main relationship as of right now is going to be Willow and Alora Dannon. And when you have two performers that are not the strongest to kind of anchor the show, it, it can be a detriment. That's fair enough. And look, people had some issue with Moses Ingram in the first episode mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of, of um, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sorry. And as you saw it, as it progressed, certainly became much stronger, had more to do. And you could look at it as a better performance overall. Mike, your thoughts overall on the acting here and the casting in, in these characters, uh, for this series, I mean, it, I don't, I don't fully agree, but I don't fully disagree with Shannon. I agree that Warwick Davis, and I, I mean, I love seeing Willow on screen, and I just have very warm feelings towards Warwick Davis as an actor. Um, but I agree, particularly in that second episode when he was hacky sack Willow. Uh, you know, you you sort of do see some of the limits of his acting, where you're like, oh man, I really wish he. I really wish, you know, like Hacky Sack Willow into Stranger Danger Willow is sort of like where you're like, oh, God, he's really, these scenes are, these scenes are not great. Um, I think that Shannon is right in his estimation uh, in that, uh, you know, Borman, Jade and Graydon are the stronger of the fellowship as far as acting goes. But I think that Eric Kitt and Alora Dannon are doing good. I don't I don't think that they are knocking it out of the park per se. Like they probably like I think Borman to me comes across the best. I think he yeah. I, I think he is he's got this great presence. He is charming. He is hot. Like I'm like, yeah, I'm like I think he's the strongest out of all of them. But I think that Alora Dannon and Kit particularly are doing what they're supposed to do, and I believe them. So I'm not they're not pulling me out of anything. I don't disagree with Shannon that they're not like bowling me over necessarily, but I'm definitely invested and all in on their journeys. Like, I don't think with the exception of some scenes with Warwick Davis, there was no, there was no scenes where I was like, God, this is rough. I was like, yeah, this is decent. This is good. 
Yeah, I will say I, I like what Ruby Cruz is doing. She because she's given a role that's like I'm mad about the fact that I've been thrust into this situation. And I haven't chosen it and I want to break out. And I think she's conveying that as a teenager. This is what a teenager would do or a young person might do is rebel against it, have some confusing feelings about it, pick and choose what she wants to believe and be very adamant about this. But I also think Revelory coming in and dropping these knowledge bombs on, um, on Alora Dannon near the end there saying, well, why do you think everyone's mad? Because, because she gets jealous and this other yeah. situation Willow really wants. So I, he, they, they know what they're doing. Like they're, to having a character say that about characters means like what you're watching, you're valid, you're valid in feeling this way about these characters. And I thought Ruby Cruz is doing a nice job with Kit. I do agree. Ellie Bamber at times coming up a little bit short does play the whole funny beats good, the whole anachronistic funny beats well. But uh, yeah, there's a little bit of extra emotion uh, that uh, is missing here, a little more depth in the back and forth. And it may just be because Warwick maybe 100% isn't, isn't the greatest actor she's not as motivated to meet him at that level. If you had had someone else in this role, maybe there's a little more coming out of Ellie Bamber as an actress to kind of go toe-to-toe with somebody and feeling it. But I agree with you, Shannon. Aaron Kellyman, Tony Revolori, Amar, Amar Chada Patel. I mean, Borman is my reason to keep watching this show. I, that's, I love Borman. Yeah, me He's too. Woo! Oh, I'm not, I'm trying to objectify him, for God's sake. But I like – and I like Eric. I mean, I think Dempsey Brick did a nice job with the limited amount of time he had. I'm kind of perplexed why we don't have scenes of him in the second episode where he's captured and him realizing what's going on and what is this all about, like him you know, waking up to being captured. Yeah. I'm just confused why we don't have that. But, again, it's only two episodes in. Maybe down the road it'll feel like it was logical to not show it just yet. But that's where I'm at. And Ralph Innocent well, coming in as Commander Ballantine, great stuff. Really great mm-hmm. stuff. Loved him in The Green Knight. Loved him in other things that he's done. So you bring, that voice of his is undeniably good. And so it brings a nice, dare I say, weight and gravitas to this that has a little more grounded nature to it. So overall, and Joanne Wally, it's always great to see like someone come back after a while. We're seeing that now with Ki Hu Kwan. And as we're recording this, he just won Best Supporting Actor for New York Film Critics for everything I all at once. So it's always nice. Hey. Yeah, when people come back after a while, it's always nice to remember, yeah, they were damn good. And now they're back again to show you how damn good they still are. So overall, yeah, maybe in some some performances or some moments, the, the acting overall isn't working, but I get the characters that they're they're laying out and what they want to do with them. So I'm, I'm down with that. And you got to give, like, give Ruby Cruz some credit as far as uh, having to tell the story of the Princess of Kashmir, where she yeah. basically recited the plot of Brave. I was, like, I was like she's telling that story she's like let me tell you about this princess who fought for her own hand in marriage and i'm like is this is this brave it's brave it's almost like that scene with uh with uh, in uh, the prequel trilogy have you heard the story of Doc? <laughs> uh, all right let's take a quick break we'll jump into some more of uh, the willow uh, review right after this all right swing back to you michael um so we've got the story we've talked about the acting how do you feel about the direction um the pacing of this overall where it's taking us and by the time the second episodes episode ends are you more invested in these storylines or a little more trepidatious than you were right off the bat. Do you like the way they constructed it? I guess is what I'm trying to get at. I, I do. Um, yeah. 
I like, like we said, I like the setup of the story. I like this idea that they, that Tirasleen and uh, Galadorn have sort of blocked themselves off from the rest of the world and that there's this barrier and that there's the big, bad, magical world beyond. And I think it's all interesting. I think where the direction is. What about the wand being introduced from the first film in the second episode? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, when Mas Kanata brings out that case and gives over the lightsaber, I thought it was a great moment. Like, it's great. I love it. It's great. Um, I mean, look, I like, we could talk and maybe we'll talk at the end. Like, I mean, I love, I mean, this is, this is a member berries series for me. Like anytime anything Mm. comes out that is tied to the, Oh, there's Finn Rizal's wand. Oh, she just puked on Willow like she did when she was a baby. Like I'm in, I'm in for all that. I think that as from a direction standpoint, um, I think the strength of this show is in the characterization, is in those moments where you see all the dynamics between the characters and we see very clearly who wants what, who's doing what, like them sitting around a fire talking, Willow and Alora Dannon practicing the magic. I think like, it, it, I, I feel really comfortable in those scenes. I feel really nice in those scenes. When we get into some of the action sequences, that's where I start to go, all right, this is, a, this is, this is not the Marvel and Star Wars shows. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're like, like that whole attack on the castle where they abduct Eric. The Gales. Uh, yeah, yeah. That could be, that could have been, uh, that could have been the moment in that first episode where you're like, fuck, man, I am in on this show. And it was much more of like, um, all right, they got the job done. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could see what was happening. I got, I got what was going on, but I wasn't like thrilled. Yeah. So I think when it comes to the character stuff, I think they're doing a really nice job. And I love that they're taking the time for us to get to know these characters. They're not rushing through. And we're like, wait, who is who? Like, I have a really, like we were just saying about the performances, I have a really strong sense of who each character is and how they feel about all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to the sweeping action and making it feel like this epic fantasy, I feel like it's feeling a little bit more TV plus, not movie minus. Mm. Oh, I like that phrase. I'm going to put that on the shirt. Yeah. What do you think about the construction here for these first two episodes, Shannon? I don't mean storylines. I mean, how they're going about with the pacing, with the direction, where they're throwing in the, um, uh, the action sequences. And as Mike actually alluded to really well, the Gales and the Bone Reavers, we have no background on these uh, uh, forces of, of antagonism that come in. Um, yet we're supposed to be invested in the fact that they're trying to run away from them and whatever. So, and then leading, of course, to what we get down in in uh, Willow's place that they're all living underground. And then what happens later with uh, with Valentine? Um, what do you think about how they've constructed the overall setup here? Uh, are there some things missing, or do you like the way they've set it up? I, I mean, I think it all makes sense. I, I, I think the construction of everything. Uh, the way that everything is laid out totally makes sense. I actually think the cinematography, some of those mm. big, you know, kind of sweeping wide shots, I think that I think those look really, really good. Yeah, there's a great um, shot of them rolling across the land, and it's a fantastic mm-hmm. shot that you'd see in any classic um, a fantasy film for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's you know, it shades of what we saw in the the film. Mm. Definitely Lord of the Rings esque. I mean, those big those big wide shots with this small party moving across the land. I thought it all looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't disagree with Vogel about the action, um, but it, it like as it starts, like I like the design of the Gales. I like yeah. the yeah. four different that you've kind of got. Well, you know, you got the brute, 
whose head is in a cage. Yeah. You have the kind of sorcerer light character who can kind of night crawler around a little bit. You've got the shapeshifter who you know can turn into a giant scary bird, yeah. and you've got the their kind of ranger character who has this you know uh, bladed uh, uh, dual whips, which. I mean, the way that they were sort of introduced, the way that they look, I'm like, oh, those things can do some damage. And when they got, when they were wrapped around Sorsha, around Joanne Whaley, I'm like, well, she's dead. <laughs> um, but then you see like, oh, she's thrown across. Like, oh, that's right. This is a show aimed at maybe a, l- a little younger audience. Um, so I think everything that's being laid out, I mean, structurally, everything makes sense. Yeah. I just think it's some of the, some of the minutia that's not that that's kind of holding it back. I mean, even like the the, the scene with uh, underground with mm-hmm. the Nelwyn. Um, I think again structurally that makes sense. Like you are getting what you need to get out of this. I think right. it's again some of the performances and some of the writing that might be holding it back. Is it wrong that I expected thunder, lightning, and rain to show up with the gales uh, from Big Trouble in China? I just <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I mean, hey, right era. But no, but I think I think Shannon makes a really good point. I mean, I think the what the way he laid out the gales is really great. Like design wise and idea wise, great. Mm-hmm. Nightcrawler wizard, dude with crazy whips, shapeshifter, big brute with a cage on his head for reasons. Like they 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 all four of them are really really cool. And the idea of what they can do is really neat. And this is like one of those moments where plot plot starts to matter a little bit less. Like you really want a sequence where you're like, I'm going to let these guys go to town. Mm-hmm. I'm going to really just have these really great, this great sequence with these amazing shots where we really show off these characters. And I felt like the whole sequence was, yeah, I see what they do. I get it. But I didn't, like, go, oh, my God, oh, that's awesome. Like, you know, we've talked about this with some Marvel shows and some other stuff. Sometimes the action is serviceable. And sometimes you're like, that was uh, the first thing that comes to mind is the Hawkeye car chase. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, like, that Hawkeye car chase wasn't a, okay, the bad guys were chasing them and they got away. That was an extended, let us just show off our action chops. And I wish that with the Gales, because they were such cool ideas, they had shown off their action chops a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah, the construct of it all, uh, to me, it's all about th- the issues that I'm having when it comes to the construction is about the differing um, at vibes. Uh, you know, it, it, it's we've got uh, shots of Willow crawling amongst dead bodies and then uh, uh, and then the Laura Dan is thrown up on his on his body. So it's just weird at these kind of changes and shifts in tone. I guess that's where my the construction for me falls apart in the shifts in tone. I can't quite grasp where we're going in certain moments. Once I'm invested in one tone, all of a sudden it shifts to something completely different. And there's a lot of anachronism in here that I think is a little weird, but I don't know. It may just it, be that this is the show and either you like it. It's this the tone. I mean, yeah, the tone. you're right. It is, you're not, everything you said is correct. Mm. There are wild shifts from like heavy drama to humor. There's a lot of anachronisms. And I'm sitting here as you're saying that I'm like, yeah, that's that's the original movie. Mm. For better or for worse. And that may be why it didn't work. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. Like for, for better or for worse, when Willow came out, it did have these wild swings. You went from these very serious moments to the two brownies, you know, to Kevin Pollock running around being oh, like, ah, I'm going to get drunk on the beer. Um, so, you know, you had these wild swings in tone. Yeah. You had some anachronistic moments, particularly with Val Kilmer. 
Um, and you sort of like, so when you're watching, so I'm watching Willow, you're right. But as I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah, it kind of feels like Willow. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And that's totally fair. Um, well, Shannon, are there any things, anything you talk about the minutia let's, before we wrap up, let's talk about any things that are, we've hit on some of the things we didn't like maybe, but what's the minutia stuff that maybe isn't working that you hope they repair as you go along watching these episodes. Cause I think, Although we may, the three of us may not be, be agreeing about the, the show. Maybe we are going to continue doing these reviews to kind of see if it gets better. So, oh, what are your thoughts we're on? doing the reviews. Oh, fine, we're doing the reviews. <laughs> okay, Shannon, my, my new show. You're going with me. You boys are going with me on this journey, whether you want to or not. Let's go. <laughs> I'm going to get some Mormon cosplay right next week. Go ahead, yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful for action. I'm, I'm okay. hopeful that we have... Uh, three three characters that uh, uh, ostensibly are very very good with a blade, and like mm-hmm. I'm excited to see Borman to see Borman kick some ass. I love the design of like he like his sword is called the cleaver. It's just this big giant blade. Yeah. Like I, I, I think the potential there is a lot of fun, and we have seen some shots in the marketing that show that Willow is going to get to show off his uh, his battle yeah. magic, mm-hmm. as he called it. So, I mean, I'm hopeful for that, and I'm hopeful that we're going to get a little bit more into the Borman, Jade, Graydon, like get to explore those characters yeah. a little bit more. Because my guess early on... Yeah, um, you have a prediction. What, what's your prediction here? Yeah, well, I, I think Graydon's a bad guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, th- I think as he was watching... Eric so you wait. Get, you don't think he's making moves on Alora? You think this is an ulterior motive type thing? No, I think I think Galadorn has no desire to be united with Tirasleen. They don't want Alora Dannon to come back. The fact that he kind of seemed very nonplussed at watching Eric battle this monster, um, and then as he was talking about it later, like he didn't want to go on the quest, and his dad whispered something to him, yeah. and then as Alora is looking right. at that magical book, and he's like, you know, if you need some help with that. That is my guess right now is that the kingdom of Galadorn has gone bad and they want both of those kids because that's the blood of Bavmorda. Hmm. That's my guess. I think I think they made a very deliberate point in Sorsha saying that, like the yeah. blood of Bavmorda is in all of us. Mike, he says non plus. Isn't it non plus? Are we wrong on it's, this? Or, I mean, he. I, I like the way he said it, though. Okay. But, uh, yeah. I, 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 might, I might start adopting it, even though I don't know that it's correct. <laughs> non plus. <laughs> It's a U with the two. <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. Oh, no, I get it. <laughs> Mike, your thoughts on uh, some of the stuff that maybe was there anything that didn't 100 work? You'd like to see them maybe improve upon over the next few episodes? You hope? I mean, improve. Upon I, I think we've talked a lot about the stuff that we hope they improve on. I think some okay. of the writing is a bit clunky. Well, then I, what I'm curious to see Warwick Davis, but yeah. I really am enjoying the continuation. I'm a sucker for a hero's journey. Right. It's why, you know, Star Wars just gets me in all the right spots. Fellowship of the Rings is great. And this is just taking a little bit of both of them and giving me a whole new story. And I actually really love this mystery. Like, so Mad Mardigan went to go find this uh, Chimerian Kuros yes, armor. Kuros, yeah. with, he, he and Borman went off to find this yeah. armor. And we don't really know what happened. And when Borman came back, he got thrown in prison. But Sorcia still went and talked to him because she trusted him because she had this relationship because he was Mad Mardigan's squire. And like, so that's interesting. You know, what Kit's sort of resolution about her relationship with her dad, Kit's resolution with believing in Alora Dannon or not, the Kit-Jade relationship. Like, there's so many great pieces, whether Graydon is bad or not. Um, and then this bigger mystery, like, Shannon 
makes a valid prediction as far as Galadorn kind of not being great anymore and Graydon being a villain. But also, and I and he's definitely right that they made a point about the blood of Bavmorda. But there's this old crone character. Yeah, is that Bavmorda? Like, is Bavmorda back, or or is this a character that's trying to bring back Bavmorda? There's also we the other two magical cre- characters, female characters from Willow that are mentioned are Finn Rizel, who was the uh, sorceress from the first movie, and Shalindria, right. who is the fairy princess who gave Willow Finn Rizel's wand so that he could go find her. And so, Sorcia says they're both gone. They both they're both gone after building this barrier. Did they become the barrier? Mm. It, did Finn Rizel go bad? Is she going to be the like? There's so many possibilities. Yeah. And at the center of all of this, Willow was a story, the original, about this little uh, this little Nelwyn who didn't think that he had what it took to be a sorcerer and everybody underestimated him and he ended up bringing down Bev Morda. And now you have Willow as a grown-up and they've sort of rebooted that story by Sorsha telling him he'll never really be a great sorcerer because he's just this Nelwyn. Um, and now you have a Laura Dannon who's supposed to be the, she's got, you know, I, lo- I love a story where someone has the pressure on them to be this great, amazing thing and is like, I don't know what the fuck to do. So there's so much to play with from a character standpoint um, and this bigger mystery around Mad Mardigan and the Chimerian Kuros and the old crone and what it's going to be that they it's theirs to lose. They could there's there's plenty of here to play with and they could either keep building on it week to week and we're like, this is awesome. Or by week four or five, we're going to be like, man. This is a slog. It's clear what's happening. Like, I don't know. So it and, could go either way. And then I'll be like, Mike, we're finishing this because you made us start it. So we're slogging through the next five episodes to finish this thing. But yeah, I, I agree. I think they've got a, a wealth of storylines to explore, a wealth of emotional connections to uh, play around with the changing dynamics throughout. Like, with, just because Kit kills, kissed Jade, it does not mean Jade's necessarily reciprocating those feelings. Oh, those two in love. Those two in love. She seemed a bit confused by it. So we'll see how that plays itself out. If that's the thing that ends up, what's, as you said, what's Graydon's uh, angle in all of this? Because he's supposed to be married to Kit. They seem to have connected a little bit more on the journey rather quickly, breaking down that they both hate being told what to do, um, which is a very modern point of view, but whatever. It, it works within what they're trying to create. And so, but then he's coming closer to Laura. So what does that mean? What's his ulterior motive there? What's Borman's secret? Kit wants to, you know, she clearly has abandonment issues, which is why she was mad at Jade leaving and why she said, well, I'm going to leave first in essence because uh, I want to take control of my issues and I'm going to go. Uh, and so how is that going to play itself out with Borman gives her, as Borman gives her more information about her dad? Is that going to help kind of calm her down, her rebellious spirit? She gets some kind of closure around that. That's going to be interesting. And what's Sorsha's role in all of this as well back there in the castle because, you know, her decisions have kind of caused some issues here overall. And certainly her fracture with Willow is something that needs to be mended. How is that going to be mended as we go along? And how is Ballantine taking Alora going? And who's the crone and what's all that? So there's a lot here to explore that at least I'm interested to see what we're going to get. Uh, my issues with the tone, shifting tone aside, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what I'm going to get. So I agree with you guys. So there's a wealth to hear to explore and hopefully there's uh they do explore in, in, in good ways as the, as the show goes along uh all right well there you go that's our uh, spoiler review for willow's ep- willow se- season one episode one and two um uh shannon what do we have to tell them yeah and, like, any final words social. you got as we're wrapping up so go ahead 
Um, yeah, I mean, look, e even though, like, I was not blown away by the first two episodes, I'm always happy to watch a show, watch a nostalgic show, um, with my geek buddies here. Um, I, you know, it's a lot of fun just getting to chat about this stuff. And, you know, I know it sounded like I dogged on it pretty heavily. Um, the moments in episode two where we got those flashbacks to the movie filled my heart with nostalgia mm. so i forget who in the comments said it on one of our live episodes that of, of the three of us i seem like the sweet one and i'm actually the the, <laughs> the coldest part <laughs> so it's not completely dead <laughs> so I, I, i'm excited Mostly to break it down dead. <laughs> i'm excited to break the show down even though uh the first two episodes did not uh knock my socks off right on uh mike any final thoughts yeah, I mean, it's just what you said. I think, you know, for all of the show's um, flaws, mm. uh, I think that when you have a show that by the second episode, when you have a show that's based on nostalgia, where by the second episode, we are invested and debating the motivations of all of the brand new characters who we just met two episodes ago, that's something they're doing right. Mm -hmm. And if they can continue to do that part right, uh, it will carry me through uh, even if the action and other stuff doesn't quite get up to snuff. Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, we're going to be breaking them down week to week. We're going to be much more incisive. This was a lot of setup, these first two episodes. It wasn't as much incisive stuff to get into, but certainly as we go along episode prep, so we're going to break it down a little more deeper as we go along. All right, that's our review. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media and tell me how you pronounce nonplussed, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey. Uh, listen, if you like 80s nostalgia, you are living in the right era, and we are here covering all of it. Uh, and here's what you guys can do to help us out. Definitely hit that like button below. Leave your comments below. What worked about Willow? What doesn't work about Willow? Where do you think it's going? Who is the old crone? Is Graydon a bad guy? Like, let us know what you think below. If you're listening to us on a podcast, leave us some stars. Leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends. And tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. That's right. That's right. And we'll go along with the show, so stick with us. And big shout-out to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies into 2023. CarbonHealth.com. Go and get checked out today. Virtual care, uh, in-person care. See if there's a clinic near you. Or download the app to have a doc in your pocket on the go when these situations arise for you. All right, thanks for joining us, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand-new spoiler review or episode here from the Geek Buddies! Hey! Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Uh -uh, not she. They, maybe? W wait. I've never seen anything like this. 
Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often?